Well, I hope you're excited as I am. We are thrilled to have Pastor Max Lucada with us today. And I don't know of anyone who has sold above 145 million books worldwide. Maybe Taylor Swift, Max, I'm not sure. Um, he has had a profound impact on generations of Christians. And he is known as the America's pastor and love Max more because I've been told, I had a phone conversation with him, he's also a big fan of the America's team, the Cowboys. <laughs> pastor Max, come on up. We're so glad you're here. Join me, welcome me, Max Lucado. Is there a game today? <laughs> I bring with me the prayers and condolences of the church where I serve and have served since 1988 in San Antonio as you continue to process the passing of your dear pastor. I wonder if you'd allow me a privilege of praying for you, and then we'll begin. The gracious Father, now have mercy upon us, you high above yet here within. Let your comfort please be upon this church. As we've already prayed, we ask for your sovereign hand to direct the selection and recognition of the person whom you have already ordained to be the senior pastor of this wonderful, wonderful congregation of people and please let your mercies be upon Brian's family and thank you father for his service and now dear father forgive our speaker you know that his sins are many and help us to see Christ just Christ through Christ we pray and all God's people said you've embarked upon a wonderful series, The Heart of the Father, and my contribution to the series could be labeled God's Heart for the Anxious Soul. It's 2.30 in the morning, and you can't sleep. You pound your pillow, you adjust the blankets, you roll on this side and then the next. Nothing helps. Nothing works. Everyone else sleeps. Your spouse is in dreamland. Uh, the kids down the hall are sound asleep. Your dog is curled up at the foot of your bed. Everyone is asleep. Everyone, that is, except you. In six hours, you'll be walking into a new job, a new challenge, a new charge. A new office, a new chapter, a new world. You'll be the rookie on the sales team. You're wondering if you made the right decision. The hours are long. The economy is struggling. The competition is increasing. Besides, you're 23 years old, right out of college, starting your first job. You're 33 years old with two kids to feed and a family to care for. You're 43 years old, the latest victim of downsizing and layoffs. You're 53 years old, not exactly the ideal age to change careers. You're 60. 
33 years old. What happened to retirement plans in time with the grandkids? Now here you are starting over. No matter the age, the questions fall like hailstones. Will I make enough money? Will I make any friends? Will I have a cubicle? Will I be able to find my way to the restroom? You feel a twitch in the back of your neck. Oh, no. Another strand of worry comes your way. It must be a tumor, just like granddad. <laughs> Do you think the company is going to have medical insurance? The thoughts rage through your mind like a tornado through a Kansas prairie, and they suck any vestige of peace out into the sky, and the green lights the green numbers on your clock are the only lights you have in the world. You pull your pillow over your head and you feel like crying. What a mess. What does all this anxiety mean? All this trepidation, restlessness, Insecurity, what does it mean? Simply this, that you're human. It does not mean you're emotionally underdeveloped, that you were potty trained too early. <laughs> it does not mean that you are demon-possessed. It does not mean that you're a failure. It does not mean that your parents failed you or vice versa. And this is important. It does not mean that you're not a Christian. Christians battle anxiety. Jesus battled anxiety for heaven's sake. On the night before his crucifixion, he prayed three times he wouldn't have to drink the cup. And his heart pumped with such ferocity the capillaries broke and rivulets of crimson streaked his face. He was anxious, but he didn't stay anxious. He entrusted his fears to his heavenly Father, and he completed his mission with faith, and he will help you do likewise. It is the heart of the Father to shepherd his flock through troublesome times. There is a pathway out of the valley of fret. And God used the pen of the Apostle Paul to sketch the map. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, 
meditate on these things. Philippians 4, verses 4 through 8. A person would be hard-pressed to find a more pastoral and timely passage. The Journal of the American Medical Association started a study that indicates an exponential increase in anxiety that leads to depression. People of each generation in the 20th century were three times more likely to experience depression than those of the preceding generation. How can this be? Cars are safer than ever. Most of us have alarm systems on our houses, though gangs still prowl our streets. Most of us don't live in the danger of imminent attack. Yet if worry were an Olympic event, we would win the gold medal. Our college kids are feeling it the most. In a study that involved more than 200,000 incoming freshmen, students reported all-time lows in overall mental health and emotional stability. Psychologist Robert Leahy points out that the average kid today exhibits the same level of anxiety as the psychiatric patient of the 1950s. Kids have more toys, opportunities than ever, but by the time they leave home, they're wrapped tighter than Egyptian mummies. We're tense. And we pay a price for it. The psalmist said, do not fret, it only causes harm. Amen to that. Harm to our necks, jaws, backs, bowels. Anxiety can twist us into emotional pretzels. It can make our eyes twitch, blood pressure rise, heads ache, armpits sweat. Anxiety ain't fun. So what do we do? I certainly don't want to leave the impression that one brief message on anxiety is going to deliver you from the claws of what is a very serious challenge. And for some of you, maybe most of you, to come to grips with this anxiety, this tidal wave of anxiety, you're going to need professional help. And under the care of a professional, you may receive medicinal support. And may I say to you and over you, that's okay. God has equipped certain men and women to walk us through these anxious, troubling times in which we live. All of us, regardless of the level of anxiety with which we struggle, could benefit from a healthy dollop of this, the most underlined verse in the Bible. We know that thanks to Kindle. I would have assumed it was John 3.16 or the 23rd Psalm. But no, the most underlined verse worldwide is be anxious for nothing. Cut us some slack here, Paul. I would have been happy with being anxious only on Thursdays. 
or be anxious only in tough times, but be anxious for nothing, nada, zilch, zero. Is this what he means? Not exactly. He wrote the passage in a certain present active tense, which implies an ongoing state. I like the translation that says, do not allow yourself to be caught in a state of anxiety or perpetual anxiety. Anxiety comes with life. Anxiety knocks at every door. But we choose whether or not we invite anxiety in for dinner. The apostle offers four ideas for winning the war on worry and in classic preacher fashion, I've turned them into an acrostic. C-A-L-M, would you like your life to discover some calm? Number one, celebrate God's goodness. The next time anxiety strikes, celebrate God's goodness. This is Paul's first point. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. He knew that this fellow needed to hear it more than once. So rejoice in the Lord. How often? Always. Again, Max, listen to me. I say rejoice. Turn your attention away from the problem and for a few minutes stare at God. It does you no good to obsess yourself with your trouble. How many of you know that the longer you stare at it, the bigger it grows? So the apostle says the first step in dealing with this anxious thought that has come your way is not to think about that thought, but to rejoice in the Lord always. This was the strategy employed by the psalmist who said, I will lift up my eyes into the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord. Do you see the intentionality in those words? I will lift up my eyes for just a moment. I will turn away from this source of struggle and anxiety, and I will focus on the Lord. I will lift up my eyes. This was the lesson Peter learned on the stormy sea of Galilee. He said, Lord, come, allow me to come to you. And for a few breathtaking moments, Peter did the impossible. He walked on water. But then the scripture says, when Peter saw the wind and the waves, he became afraid and he began to sink. And he shouted, Lord, save me. As long as Peter focused on the face of Christ, he did the impossible. Yet when he shifted his gaze to the force of the storm, he sunk like a stone. Could it be that if you feel like you're sinking, you're just looking in the wrong direction? I have a childhood memory I cherish. I wish you could have met my dad. I grew up in West Texas, small West Texas town. My dad was a mechanic in the oil field. Shorter than his son, built like a radiator. Everybody's best friend. 
And he had a peculiar evening habit. After his two sons were in bed and after his wife was in bed, sometime around 10 or 10.30 at night, you could hear him sauntering out of his bedroom into the kitchen. Small house, small West Texas town. He came walking in in his long underwear, long, not long underwear, boxer shorts and T-shirt, and would go into the kitchen, and he would pour himself a glass of buttermilk. Does anyone in here like buttermilk? I know, no one likes it. But I inherited an appreciation for it. I like buttermilk. So dad would pour himself a glass of of buttermilk, and and standing there in his boxer shorts and T-shirt, Knowing everybody was already in bed, he would drink his buttermilk. Sometimes he would crumble up cornbread and put it in the buttermilk. Boy, I'm just making you hungry, aren't I? And then, having finished his buttermilk, he had this routine, this regimen. Only three doors in the house, front door, back door, garage door. And with great fanfare, he would click the locks. Click, 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 click. And then he would stand in the center of the house and he would announce, the house is safe. You can rest now. I have absolutely no inclination that our heavenly father likes buttermilk. But I have every conviction that he brought someone here today So you would hear heaven say, the house is safe. In spite of what you hear on the news. In spite of what they're saying at your office. It's going to be okay. Not for the absence of problems. But for the presence of a strong and loving father. Rejoice. In the Lord always. Celebrate God. And then the apostle continues. Having urged us to celebrate God, he then says, just ask God for help. Let your requests be made known to God. You see, fear triggers either despair or prayer, so always choose wisely. Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find the path to peace is paved with prayer. As we prayed earlier, God has invited us to pray the words he has taught us to pray. Pray his words back at him. Find a promise in scripture that meets the problem you're facing and pray a you said prayer God you said you said you would walk me through the valley of the shadow of death you said you would lead me through the waters you said that you would never leave me or forsake me find a promise that fits this problem and before the problem pulls you under let the prayer 
wrap around it. Having done this, you can take on what is certainly the most challenging part of anxiety. You can leave your problem with God. Leave your problem with God. You've celebrated His goodness. You've asked Him for help. You can leave the problem with God. Let God take charge. Let Him guard your hearts and minds through Christ. Sorry about that. Christ Jesus. Have you ever taken something to an appliance shop to have it fixed? Maybe a toaster or a computer to a computer shop to have it repaired. After you deposit the broken appliance at the appliance shop, what do you do? Do you roll out a sleeping bag and say, hey, I'm here to stay if you need my advice? Do you hover around the workbench and say, I'm here to give you some counsel? If so, you don't get how it works. You have entrusted that which is broken into the hands of the one who is qualified to repair it. You leave it with him. How much more our heavenly father says, now you've given me this concern. Leave it with me. Jesus said, my father is always working. I'm always working with him, Jesus said. Having left your problem with your heavenly father, you leave it with him. You don't take it back. You leave it with him. And the next time that thought surfaces, you think, oh, wait a second. I left that one with God. And now that you have vacated some brain space, having left your concerns with God, you can do what the apostle says, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. Did you know that anxiety and gratitude refuse to share the same heart? The surest and quickest way to deal with a wave of anxiety is gratitude test yourself on this the next time you feel a flood of anxiety make a list of blessings i'm a pastor i'm not a therapist but i have seen plenty more than my share of people since i was ordained in 1979 and somewhere along the line i was given this exercise and it really works people will come into my study and they will just bellyache oh how they will complain how their world is tumbling in around them and i'll listen for a certain amount of time and at some point i'll say no just time out time out and i'll produce a sheet of paper and a pencil and i'll say would you please make a list of blessings guess what they don't want to There's something intoxicating about complaining. But I won't let them get up until they do. And so begrudgingly, they will begin to make the list. Well, I do have good health. I can pay my bills. I've got a good dog. And you will see their composure begin to change because when anxiety sees gratitude enter the heart anxiety reaches for that dirty duffel bag 
and exits because gratitude and anxiety cannot share the same heart. By the way, that's why we worship. And that's why worship is not a warm-up act for the sermon. Worship is that act of declaring the strength of God and the goodness of God and the holiness of God. And that though many things have turned one way, there is one thing that will never be taken, and that is God's plan to get you home safely. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then the apostle gives us one more. Again, having freed up that extra brain space because we're not worrying anymore, we replace it first with thanksgiving and then finally meditate on good things. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, look at this, Meditate on these things. Meditate on these things. Don't let anxious negative thoughts take over your mind. Just because you have a thought, you don't have to think it. Just because you have a thought, you don't have to think it. You can take every thought captive and make it stand before the authority of Jesus Christ. One of the toughest days of my life found me in a diner in Dalton, Georgia. I was 19 years old, and on the promise of fast cash and new sites, I took a job selling books door to door. 19 years old, far away from home. Nobody told me that nobody likes door-to-door -door salesmen. I wish they had mentioned that. That first day was miserable. Hello, I'm Max Slam. Hello, I'm Max Slam. Second day was just as horrible. By lunch, I was so depressed. I went into a diner, ordered a hamburger, and nursed my wounds. As I was checking out, paying for that burger, I, there, I noticed that there was a display of magnetized truisms. I may test your memory here. They used to make them more often than today, but little rubberized, magnetized gadgets or, 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 or slogans that you can affix to a refrigerator maybe or a stove. You know what I'm talking about? Well, I read over those, and there was one that had a slogan I had never seen. Now, when I tell you this slogan, you're going to say, you're kidding me. You were 19 years old and you had never heard it? I don't know. I just never heard it. But it was shaped like a lemon. I'll start it and you finish it. When life gives you a lemon... See, you heard it. I bought that sucker. I affixed it to a metal strip of my 1974 Plymouth Duster. And I rubbed my thumb over that little slogan 
10 or 20 times a day. By the end of the summer, it was just dirty and smudged, but I made it through. 19 years old. Do you know I turned 69 this week? That's 50 years. 50 years. And over these 50 years, here's something I've learned. Life gives lemons. Life gives lemons. Life gives lemons to old people, to young people, to rich people, to poor people. To smart people, to not so smart people. People with hair, to people who are bald. Life gives lemons. But we don't have to suck on them. Think about what you think about. And the apostle says, just because there is an anxious thought, you don't have to receive that thought. Instead, meditate on good things. Now, my troubles as a 19-year-old are nothing compared to some of yours. Some time ago, a lady in our congregation called me because she was that day going to take the car keys away from her husband who's battling dementia. He flew fighter pilot. He was a fighter pilot in his career. And now he can't drive a car. And then there was a fellow who got laid off from work and he couldn't summon the energy to tell his wife. And then there was the young mother just a few weeks ago, single mom, three small kids, two in diapers, wondering if she'll ever have a good night's sleep. Life comes with lemons, it does. It's hard. But you're not alone. You're not alone. Celebrate God. Make a big deal out of God. Ask God for help. Make specific requests based on his word. Leave your concerns with him. And later in the day or later in the night, when those thoughts surface, you can honestly say, oh, I left that one with God. And then replace those anxious negative thoughts with grateful, faithful, filled thoughts think about what you think about for many years san antonio was blessed with the leadership of an episcopalian minister by the name of bishop fry bill wrote a wonderful book about his life and i'll conclude with the story he used and that is growing up in the Piney Woods of Georgia, his summer job each summer was to pull stumps out of the ground and they would be cut up and used for kindling. When he was 12 years old, he recalls one time that his dad sent him out to extract a stump and it was so stubborn. It had deep roots. He worked right up until noon and he couldn't get it out. He went and got a bigger crowbar, came back after lunch, kept trying to pry it out. He couldn't get Finally, his father came home from work, and there's young Bill Fry still trying to get that stump out of the ground. The father 
climbs out of his car and walks over and sits on a nearby stump and doesn't say a thing. And then after a few moments, he says, Bill, I see your problem. Bill said, what's that? And the dad said, you're not using all your strength. Oh, did that tick Bill off? <laughs> what do you mean? I've been working all day long, Dad. What do you mean I'm not using all my strength? And the dad said, you haven't asked me to help you. It is not the heart of your heavenly Father that you lead a life that is characterized by anxiety and fear. That's not his heart. And his vision for you is a new chapter, a chapter of faith, a chapter of courage, a chapter not void of problems, but a chapter in which problems don't pull you under. Your Father is here to help you. Supernatural help given by the Holy Spirit. He will help you be anxious for nothing. Let's pray together. Gracious Father, now have mercy please, upon all who hear your word. We know that the devil wants to steal the seed from the path before it can sink into the soil and bear fruit. So we stand against the devil. We receive your word, and we ask now that you have mercy upon us. Through Christ we pray. Amen.